Good to have you along. John Skulls here alongside Lior Sanfiru, employment lawyer, ready to reach out and talk to us. Have issues with your work, maybe a temporary layoff, maybe even told we don't need you anymore, but you don't get severance because you haven't been here long enough or your payroll isn't high enough or whatever. It could be a, a number of things which are absolutely silly excuses not to get severance. A couple of different ways to figure that out. Reach out, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. That, uh, that particular website will fill your head with very, very useful information and give you access to the severance pay calculator as well. And you can always reach out to Lior anytime, help at employmentlawyer.ca. And then there's always 1-855-821-5900. But like I said, the lines are wide open and ready to go here this evening. So bring it on. We're going to get to a ton of emails, which have been uh, kind of stacking up over the last three or four days, Lior. So we want to kind of shrink that inbox a little bit. But we will always start off with a, a case of the day, something you've been working on, pal. What do you got, to, what do you got tonight? Hey, John. Employment law is the name of the game, and this is what we want mm-hmm. to do, of course, as we always do at this time. So now is an opportunity to uh, you know, maybe have a bit of a, a rest, think about the day that you had, and call us with the questions that tomorrow is a better day. Uh, I know for a fact that when things don't go well in the workplace, it affects you. You're you're dreading what's going to happen. You're dreading going back to work. Well, no need to dread. You have an opportunity right now to call us on the show and ask us the question you've always wondered. Ask us what to do if your boss did something or if you're afraid tomorrow something's going to happen. If it does happen, how do you respond? Do you even respond? What should you say? Well, if that's you, if you have a, something to do with your job in your workplace, we got your back, and this is the opportunity you have to call us and get those answers for sure. And, of course, you can always reach out to me, as John said, in the office anytime to have a private chat or private email exchange if you want me to roll up my sleeves, myself and my team, to get to work and help you. But we know that now, so let's talk about a case that came across my desk uh, today. So, John, uh, I spoke with a gentleman. He was let go, unfortunately. He was in a sales role, a 100% commission. He had been with the same employer for three years. I uh, was hired actually just uh, just prior to COVID, and uh, was let go because of some sort of a restructuring. Nothing really bad that he had done, and uh, his employer offered him two months uh, severance. Now, right off the bat, uh, obviously, before we even kind of delved into it uh, more deeply, two months was not enough. He was owed around six mm-hmm. months severance. But when I actually started, kind of. Uh, to asking questions, I realized that his employer never actually paid him vacation pay on his commissions. So you get vacation pay for any earnings, whether it's bonus, it's commissions, they have to pay vacation pay on top of that as a percentage, at a minimum it's 4%. So for him, John, just an outstanding vacation pay over the past two years he was owed somewhere between eighteen to twenty thousand of dollars. Wow! Just an outstanding vacation pay. So I'm going to help him get his severance. Of course, he's owed another four months of severance, not two months, but six months. But he's actually owed outstanding vacation pay. So that wanted some. This is something I wanted to bring up to our uh, our listeners. Even if you're in a situation where you're on a combined salary and commissions, for example. If you get paid on those commissions, you still have to get paid vacation pay. So if your employer doesn't pay vacation pay, doesn't pay that 4%, 5%, 6% on the commissions, they owe you that money. You can go back two years. So, man, let's add that, John. Is that another reason why it's so vital, yeah. so, so important to get legal advice generally if you're working, but certainly if you lose your job, 
So uh, he made the call. I'm going to help him. If that sounds familiar, if you're not even sure, maybe it is familiar. Maybe, maybe it doesn't apply to you, but you're not sure. Maybe it does. Call us either on the show right now or call me in the office and let's figure it out together. Uh, thank you, Bev, for standing by for a moment. Good evening. How are you? I'm great. Thanks. How are you? Excellent. So uh, so glad you took the time to call. What's uh, What's going on? Okay, so I'm calling with regards to my husband's uh, workplace. Uh, he works uh, continental shifts, so he works uh, three shifts a week, which uh, are 12 hours in length, and he can either work over the midnight hour or during the day hour. Um, they do not, they're not given breaks or lunches, and they're not being paid for those as well. So he just gets paid his 12 hours, and that's it. Where he just found out that another crew on a different press they are getting paid for their lunches. And I was wondering if what the, the legalities of all of this are and what, what he could do about it. So, Beth, are you saying that they don't let him take a break, but they deduct his pay as if he had taken a break? No. He'll, so he works three 12-hour shifts. So he worked, yes. on his paycheck is 36 hours a week. Right. But okay. he is so, not, so, not given up. He's not given a lunch and he's not given a break. However, he just found out that an, another crew on a different printing press, they have, they get like three extra hours per pay period for oh. their, their lunches. Okay. So they're required to give him an unpaid break during the, that, that 12 hours. So they're breaching the Employment Standards Act by not doing that. Now, it's not really so much about what they're doing with the other crew. I have no idea why they would treat them differently, but it's really about exactly. the, what they what they owe your, your, your husband. And yes, they're required to provide him an unpaid break. Now, your husband may say, I have no idea, that he would rather work and get paid than take a break and not get paid for that time. So if, in fact, he wants to get uh, that break, you know, we all need a break, gosh, and, and he's okay, obviously, with it being unpaid, then it's easy to make them. To make them, it's either a, a complaint to the Ministry of Labor or a letter from me. Either way, the issue gets fixed and gets fixed for good, but he has to decide ultimately what's better, what's best for him and, and his colleagues. Uh, but no, what they are doing is illegal. But some of his colleagues are getting paid for not actually taking their break. You know and I, mean? and like I have no idea why they, why yeah, they would do yeah. that. But, but ultimately, there's no obligation to treat people the same. There's a, there's a good business reason to do that. There's an ethical reason absolutely to do that. But from a legal standpoint, they're not required to treat the different shifts the same. Uh, what they are required by law is to give them a break that's unpaid. Right, right, uh, yeah. So th they're required to do that. So if, he, if that's what he wants, then absolutely. If he wants to get paid like his other colleagues, the best thing to do is to talk to them and try to make them understand that what they're doing is kind of silly and ridiculous and unfair, but you can't actually make them treat the different shifts in the same way. Right. Okay. That's, yeah. I just wondered if he had any legal, um, if he could go back on, on the number of years that he hasn't been paid for it, right? Where the other guys have, so... Unfortunately, no, that he cannot do. No. Right. Okay, no worries. Thanks so much. Thanks. Thank you, Bev. Appreciate that. Any uh, further uh, conversation your husband wants to have with Leor, you can do that. Here's uh, here's that number, 1-855-821-5900. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. The Employment Law Show continues. Hang on. 
everybody. Welcome to the Wednesday night edition. We do this Monday to Thursday and on the weekends, of course. Yeah, you got lots of time to call in here and ask your questions, get some clarity and some uh, some knowledge. Matthew, thank you for standing by. How are you, pal? Hey, I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? Beauty. What's, uh, what's on your mind? Uh, yeah, so I was just wondering. I started a job about seven months ago, and it started off on salary. Um, and it was just like a, a standard like 3000 a month uh, salary with the 20% commission. And then about two months ago, my boss came to me and he asked me if I would like to go to 100% salary for a higher commission. Now, I was just wondering, is my original employment, uh, like, uh, kind of contract that I signed with the employer still legally binding as it was under the salary? Uh, or would I, would I have a way out of that, uh, that employment contract and that non-solicitation clause? So uh, the, the only thing that, that has changed then, if I understand correctly, Matthew, is that you've changed the way you get paid. Is, is that right? Exactly. So it's just kind of the way that I got paid there. I got it. So no, the, the original employment agreement and the other terms in that agreement are still in, in effect. They're still in force uh, okay. and they have not uh, gone away because of the change in compensation. Now, where they could down the road go away is if you ever take a different position, let's say you're promoted into a much more senior position, as an example, then that agreement is not going to be enforceable anymore because that was an agreement for position A. And if you ever get promoted to position B, then it wouldn't be enforceable. But if you're in the same position, you just change your compensation structure. Yeah, the other terms in that agreement will be enforceable uh, for, for good or bad. Okay, so in terms of like the non-solicitation, it is a 12-month agreement with Mets. Uh, and if I'm like correct with that, is after that 12 months, uh, if I decide to leave and start my own company, I would then be able to kind of use uh, like their kind of like uh, providers for the factories and different stuff like that. Well, again, I haven't seen it, right? So I, 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 I'm going to be very okay. hesitant to advise you on what it says without having seen it. Usually, sure. a non-solicitation uh, agreement says that whenever you leave us, whether it's next week, next month, whatever, you can't, you can't go after our clients, our suppliers, our employees for a period of time. So that's what you sure. usually would say, whether that period of time is 12 months or 18 months. So the, the, usually the, the solicitation period starts once you leave. So once you it leave. doesn't, okay. once you leave. Again, but I haven't seen yours, I can't say for sure. But in 99% of, the, of these employment agreements, that solicitation period starts once you leave, whether they let you go or you decide to leave of your own volition or, or the contract ends, the, the 12 months or the 18 months, whatever it says, starts running as of that moment or the moment you, when you leave. Okay. And just for example purposes here, uh, let's say I decided to leave and I wanted to start a similar type of business, but use different factories, different lead source and everything like that, would that be illegal? Or do I have to stay away from that line of business completely? Well, again, I haven't seen your employment agreement, so I, I can't say what okay, it is. Sure. That said, that said, uh, in Ontario right now, for, for most employees, a non-compete would, uh, would be unenforceable. We have, there's legislation in Ontario that makes mm -hmm. a non-compete unenforceable. And what you're describing okay. is a non-compete saying that, you know, I, I, I'm not going to go after your, your customers, but I can do my own my own thing. Uh, so as long as, generally speaking, you can compete with them as long as you're not going after the customers that you were serving or servicing while you were working for them. But again, we're talking hypothetically here because I haven't 100%. actually seen your, your specific agreement. Be happy to look at it and tell you exactly what it says. 100%. Yeah, I'd love to give you a call and go through that with you. 
Perfect. Beauty. Thanks, Matthew. Appreciate it. And that number, one 821 5900 and the email address, which will probably come in useful as well, help at employmentlawyer.ca. Pertab, how, uh, how are you tonight? What's going on? Yeah, well, um, at my workplace, right, for the week, we work 37 and a half hours, right? And um, if you work more hours, more than 44, you are qualified for overtime, right? Okay, good. That's right. Now they have reduced us to four days, right? At eight, seven and a half hours per day. And they want you to work more. So would if you work more, would you be paid for overtime or there is a standing regulation that overtime only exceeds 44 hours? And uh, are you, Pertab, are you uh, on a salary or on an hourly pay? Hourly paid. Okay. So in that situation, if you have to work extra hours, they have to pay for those extra hours, of course, but they don't have to pay you with the overtime rate, a time and a half, unless you work more than 44 hours a week. So if your regular hours now are 33 and they want you to work 40 hours, they have to pay you for those seven hours, of course, but not at the overtime rate, the regular wages. Yeah, yeah, they are paying for the extra hours, but... The only time you would be overtime if you pass forty-four hours. I was yes, be unless, unless at some point, unless at some point you signed an employment agreement that says that they'll start paying overtime after forty hours or something like else. If they didn't, if you never signed something that says that, then the law says that they have to start paying you time and a half after forty-four hours a week. Okay, I was of the opinion because they reduced the number of hours. Um, the, 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 the overtime rate would have reduced too, but it doesn't seem No, far. unfortunately, it, it's time and a half after 44 hours. And, and unless, again, unless there's an employment agreement that gives you a better deal than that. But unless there's okay. something like that, then it's 44 hours. Okay, quite understandable. I, I am, I'm glad that's how you explain it. I fully well understand. And I'm a regular listener to your program. Thank you very much for your advice. Thank Thanks, Pertav. You're a you're a good man. Appreciate that, and good luck in the in the workplace. Any further questions? You know how to uh, to reach out one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. But I want to move down to our first email because I did mention we're going to try to get through some of the inbox of the remaining time here, Lior. Uh, Paul, Paul's up first. Says, "Hey, Lior, my company just eliminated their mandatory vaccine policy, but haven't called me back to work. I've been off for eight months. What are my rights?" Yeah, so, you know, what Paul could have done at at some point during those eight months is he could have treated his employment as being terminated. So Mm -hmm. Paul, from the sounds of it, I guess, decided that he wanted or or he stayed at home waiting to be called back to work, uh, kind of being the good soldier. He could have treated his employment as being terminated, being put on a leave because of his vaccine status. But now that he's not called back to work, well, now it's definitely a termination. So he really has two options again. Option number one is you can follow up with them and wait and, you know, hope that they do something at some point. Or option number two, and I think that's the one that makes sense here, is to say enough is enough, right? Uh, you, you put me off work. Okay, I accepted that. But now you did call me back when there was no more need to have me off work. Well, that's a termination, absolutely, and severance has to be paid. And by the way, that termination would be retroactive to when he was put on that leave. So, so it's, yes, significant entitlements here. 
Uh, and uh, I'd be happy to help them with that. To me, after eight months and still not getting called back to work, I think it's time to say enough is enough. Got to move down to uh, Daryl's email next. Daryl says, hey, guys, I was just given a termination letter that offers me 26 weeks severance after 13 years with my company. The HR manager says that two weeks severance per year is standard. Does it make sense to contact you in these circumstances? Yeah. And you know what, John? I will believe that the HR manager actually believes that. Yeah, I, I'll, sure. I'll, I'll, I'll give her credit that she probably believes that, that she's not trying to kind of get one by this person. Uh, because there's so many people, HR managers, business owners, that actually believe that, well, if you're let go, two weeks per year, that's all we owe you. And that, you know, you should be glad to get it. And they truly believe that. Except, John, you know this, our regular listeners know this, that's wrong, wrong, wrong. Not even close. It's not a week per year or two weeks per year for almost everyone. It's significantly more than that. And in fact, this person after 13 years, now I don't have all the factors. I don't know exactly what job he was doing at his age, but he probably is easily looking at a year's pay. Okay. So that's a lot more than uh, 26 weeks. So no, it's not two weeks per year. That would be a wrongful dismissal. Wrongful dismissal, of course, is a situation when you're let go and you're not paid your proper, your full severance. So, no, nonsense. It's a myth. It's a misconception. It's false. It's not two weeks per year. Daryl, appreciate that. Any further reaching out? You know that number, 1-855-821-5900. Dana says, Lior, I've been off on a stress leave uh, for two months but don't want to go back to work because I'm afraid of how I will be treated. What are my options? So obviously Dana doesn't have to go back to work. Or there's no law that requires her to go back. She she can just decide I'm not going back and that's it. I'm moving on and that's fine. And if to do that, she, she doesn't have to do anything other than let the company know. But here's the thing. If, if she was off because she was not treated properly uh, or, or she's afraid now that she's not going to be treated properly, that could be a constructive dismissal. She could leave but get severance. But for that to happen, she needs to be able to show that, in fact, she's been mistreated. So if she's going to be mistreated, I want her to actually document this. And I want her to find a way, either record or create a paper trail that allows to document. And then she can leave with severance. So if the goal is not just to leave, but to leave with compensation, she may have to go back to work just so that she can build up a case against her employer. Maybe she's wrong. Maybe they'll treat her great and everything will be fine. But if she's right and they're not going to treat her properly, they're going to harass her or bully her or, uh, you know, just, just mistreat her completely, then as long as she can show that that's happening, she can leave with severance. So it's going to be very tough to do, I would expect, if she just doesn't go back to work. But if she's willing to go back, at least for a period of time, build up that case, then, yeah, absolutely, that could potentially now result in a constructive dismissal, get your full severance. It could also potentially be a human rights violation, get additional compensation because of that. So uh, happy to help Dana if she wants to build up that case. But that may mean, John, going back to work at least for a while. Yeah, gotcha. I want to get uh, Peter on the line here quickly. Hey, Peter, how are you? What's your question? Uh, Lior, I've been working for a, a sales organization for the last eight years, and I have not been paid the case should pay on my commissions earned. Uh, I, I do get paid for time off, so I uh, have a total of five weeks vacation. So would I, be, would I be entitled to vacation pay for my commissions earned? 
Yes, absolutely. Uh, you absolutely get vacation on commissions earned. And in fact, you know, usually I say you can go back two years. There's actually ways for these things to go back even further. Uh, recently resolved a case where we did exactly that. We were able to get the, the, the commissions for the, uh, uh, sorry, the vacation on the commissions. And what you're describing, Peter, is a very common thing that the employer doesn't pay that, that vacation pay properly. So uh, you're owed that. The good news, it's not hard to get. So what I propose you do, Peter, is give me a call. And, and uh, I want to obviously find out more about your job, how you get paid, uh, and, and see what kind of documentation we have in that regard. And I can help you get it. You could potentially be looking at a significant amount of compensation owed to you. Okay, great. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you, Peter. Appreciate the uh, the call there and uh, that number to reach out to Lior, 1-855-821-5900. And I'll try to get uh, one more email in before we uh, roll on. Your Steve's in a bit of a pickle. He says, Lior, I've been working for my employer for the last five years. They just told me that my job will end in six months, but in the meantime, my hours will be reduced from 40 to 30 a week. Can they do that? Well, no, they can't. Now, remember, an employer can give you advance notice of the termination of your employment, mm-hmm. and that notice does count towards your severance, but they can't change the terms of your employment, even if you're during that notice period. So if you go from 40 to 30, that's a significant change. That's, I don't know, that's a 25%, I guess, reduction in your hours and pay. So that's a constructive dismissal. So he doesn't have to accept that or stay there for the six months. He can treat that now as a termination and get his full severance. So I would strongly advise that he give me a call so we can make that happen. Steve, uh, thank you very much. Everybody else who managed to get their email on air. If not, we got the rest of them uh, stored up and ready to go for our next show tomorrow if we, uh, if we do that uh, again. In the meantime, I want to reach out to Lior now that we're just about ready to wrap it up. Here's how you do that. one 821 5900 Toll-free number, of course, all the time. Help at employmentlawyer.ca is the email address we always use and, uh, and read out on air. And then finally, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. That website was constructed for you to use freely and anonymously. 90% of what you need to know is already baked into that website. And also the severance calculator can be found there too. With uh, You'll join 2 million plus other people who have used that severance calculator and realize that the number they've been given is way shy of what it should be. Again, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca is how you access that. The Employment Law Show, thanks for hanging out.